I'm Aaron Reynolds, and you're listening to Explain Like I'm Five on the 2020 Network. The 2020 Network is brought to you by Interac. As Canada's domestic debit network for over 30 years, Interac allows Canadians to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want, whether with your debit card, mobile, or wearable device. Learn more at interact.ca. I like to think that I'm an intelligent guy, but I know more about K-pop than I do about Prohibition. And that's kind of a problem. So that's why I'm inviting really smart people to explain things to me like I'm five. I'm talking today to Anne McClellan, who has been Canada's Justice Minister, Canada's Health Minister, Canada's Public Safety Minister, and is currently the chair of the Task Force on the Legalization and Regulation of Cannabis. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure to be here. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, a lot of questions about the legalization of cannabis, and you are clearly the the person uh, to talk to about it, uh, considering what you have done in the past and what you've done in the recent past. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would love to talk to you about – before we get into what the laws are going to be, I want to talk about what the laws were surrounding cannabis. Well, cannabis was a – prohibited substance, uh, like um, a fair number of other uh, narcotics. It was a Schedule I prohibited substance. And uh, in uh, the, the criminal law in, in Canada, um, it was illegal, uh, on, except for medicinal purposes, and we can come back to that in just a minute. But if you were found in possession of cannabis in any form, um, if you were trafficking cannabis in any form, that was a criminal offense that for a long time in this country carried very heavy potential prison sentences. And then there were changes uh, in the law over time to reduce some of those uh, sentences. But Basically, up until October 17th of this year, uh, other than for medicinal purposes, uh, cannabis in uh, whatever form uh, is an illegal substance and subject to criminal sanction. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, for the the medicinal aspect, there was, and I, I believe it was different province to province, but there were uh, there were ways to get either a, a prescription through a doctor or like what did what did that look like? Well, it wasn't actually uh, a, a different province to province. Oh, okay. Uh, the provinces did not have and do not have uh, jurisdiction over medicinal uh, cannabis. Um, there is a, a federal regime around medicinal. Uh, medicinal cannabis. That regime is one that now we're quite familiar with in this country. The federal government licenses producers, LPs, and uh, someone who wanted to use cannabis uh, for a medicinal purpose would go to a healthcare practitioner and a doctor and uh, in most cases, and get an authorization. Most doctors very reluctant to prescribe because we do not have the kinds of clinical guidelines that we have for right. uh, prescription drugs that have gone through clinical trials and have a DIN number and so on. Um, so a doctor in most cases would write an authorization, and then the patient would register that with Health Canada, and then that 
patient could choose an LP of his or her choice. They could talk to the LP uh, about strains and what they were looking for and so on. And uh, the LP would then uh, ship to the the patient uh, the product uh, that had been ordered and paid for. And uh, that was shipped uh, via courier, I believe, uh, in almost all cases. Okay. So not, uh, it's not in the back alley or you know, behind the bleachers at the high school or something like that. Not if you are a legal medicinal patient. Uh, I am sure there's uh, – well, we know full well there are lots of people self-medicating – uh, who do not have medical authorizations, and it is not for me to speculate as to where they exactly <laughs> where might getting be it. getting okay. their product. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So today is October 17th, the, the day that uh, legalization is happening, uh, but today it's not a, a free-for-all. It's not like suddenly it's legal to buy uh, cannabis behind the bleachers at the high school. Uh, so what what do the current regulations look like? Well, first of all, we need to keep in mind that there are three levels of government involved, federal, provincial, and municipal. And at the federal level, um, as we've seen with medicinal, the federal government will continue to license producers and license manufacturing. And those are all the people who are growing the product uh, and manufacturing that product uh, into whatever form, and we know what those forms are that are, are uh, legal right now. Edibles are not uh, legal right now. Oh, interesting. Now, okay. But they will be within the year. Um, and then you have the provincial government, which I think is, is probably uh, most uh, important to just your average consumer who uh, wants to pick up some product. And it is up to the provinces to determine how the product is retailed. And then, of course, it's up to the municipalities to decide where those retail locations are within a given a city or municipality. And uh, as we know, with, with alcohol, for example, in, in cities, uh, uh, you cannot have uh, retail selling alcohol uh, within a certain number of meters of a school or perhaps a park or, right. in some cases, faith-based organizations. So that's within municipal jurisdictions. So there are layers of regulation, just as there are with alcohol, quite honestly, um, that that will apply as of Wednesday to this new regulated regime. And I think if you are someone looking to purchase legally on Wednesday, you will be looking for your local retail outlet. And that retail outlet in a province like Edmund, uh, Alberta, where I live, that is uh, going to be a retail outlet run by the private sector. In uh, the province of Quebec, it's going to be a retail outlet run by uh, the provincial government and uh, run through and by, uh, I believe, in Quebec, uh, the SAQ. They will not be selling alcohol in Canada us in the same retail location. We were very clear in the task force that that is not what anybody should be doing. But okay. uh, it makes sense for the provinces who are used to wholesaling and retailing liquor uh, to use uh, th their back office, 
their uh, IT systems um, and so on to be able to wholesale and in the case of a province like Quebec, also retail it. That makes a lot of sense. And so are, are those stores going to be ready to open on Wednesday? Oh, I think, uh, well, certainly some of them will be. And I know, for example, again, using my city of Edmonton as an example, uh, there are, there are uh, a number of retailers, not as many as there will be in the months and years ahead, because every retailer has to be licensed. And they have to apply for a license through uh, what we now call in Alberta the uh, liquor i'm not exactly sure how they've arranged the names but it's right. it's liquor gambling and cannabis in some order right oh and, man okay yeah yeah all the sins uh, yep. and uh so you have to apply to get a license. And in fact, they have received, not surprisingly, a lot of applications. And they are working through those applications. You have to do criminal background checks. Um, you, you have to um, make sure that uh, people uh, are not permitting organized crime to infiltrate right. yeah. uh, their business and so on. So those background checks take time and there is a backlog. But in my city of Edmonton, uh, on Wednesday, there will be retail establishments open, and there will be, I see the Premier of Newfoundland has gotten into this, and suggests that if you want to be the first in the country to enjoy legalized cannabis at 12.01 in Newfoundland, half an hour earlier than uh, in Atlantic, <laughs> the rest of uh, Atlantic Canada, you go to Newfoundland and you walk through one of those retail outlets and you will be able to purchase your cannabis. Um, but I think we can expect shortages. It is virtually impossible to uh, calibrate the supply and demand curves in this kind of situation. So uh, you could either have oversupply or mm-hmm. you could have greater demand than supply. And most people predict that there will be a greater demand in the early weeks and months than supply, in part just because there are backlogs in terms of getting that supply to the wholesalers and then out to the retail outlets, uh, whether they're privately owned or run by the government. So, yeah, I think we can expect that there will be a shortage of supply uh, today. And I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. It will take time for the market to uh, normalize. And uh, people, I think, just need to take that on board as we work through what is truly a bold, transformative public policy. We're the only developed country or G20 country in the world to do this at the national level. Uh, Uruguay has done it before us at the national level, but they're a small country of 3.6 million people. That's smaller than the province of Quebec or Ontario or Alberta. So uh, we're legalizing at the national level. Uh, We're uh, relatively, well, we are a large geographic country. We have provinces and municipalities uh, with their own particular um, 
issues in relation to legalization and regulation. So, yeah, I think we will and should expect to see shortages of supply in uh, the early weeks and months. But I am also confident that those will get uh, regularized pretty quickly because markets... Uh, have a way of uh, figuring out how to maximize their profitability. Right. Okay. Um, this actually this uh, made me think of a of a question while you were talking about it. There, um, I was thinking about the the person who is currently like illegally uh, cultivating and selling cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, what? happens to them if they continue along the the path that they are they're currently on is that that is still they're breaking the law law. right they're breaking the law now in the task force report uh, we talk about the fact that there are a lot of growers out there who are not part of organized crime and are not selling their product to organized criminals to uh profit illegally. They are growing. They might be growing in the interior of British Columbia. Let's just use them for an example. Right. They might be growing in the interior of British Columbia. They may actually, right now, even though it's illegal, be going to the farmer's market on Saturday morning and selling their product to their customers. Um, We in the task force treated them differently than those who are involved in whatever way with organized crime. Uh, And we would like to see those people brought into the legal system. And yes, that would mean that they would have to apply uh, to the federal government for uh, uh, to be licensed. But we were also... Um, at least I have been, maybe I shouldn't attribute this to the task force, I have been pretty clear, and I think that uh, Government of Canada agrees with me from everything I've heard, that the fact that you were working in this system illegally uh, before, that fact alone, when you were not involved with exploitation and trafficking, uh, especially to the vulnerable, um, that that should not be an absolute bar to you applying for a license, getting a license, and being brought into the legal system. And what do we know? We called them euphemistically craft growers, uh, and <laughs> okay, yeah. and they they are, uh, and many of them are. I think uh, could be legitimately described as craft growers. They have developed strains over, in some cases, many years. Uh, A number of them uh, would uh, label their products as organic, whatever that might mean, and that's a whole other issue. Um, But they, they are people who love this plant, who have developed strains of this plant, that their Customers, again, buying illegally right now, have come to either enjoy or depend upon for medicinal purposes. We actually need all that expertise in the legal system. We need their knowledge, we need their seeds, and we need those strains. So we have to find a way to get those people, and they're generally small, Small Mm -hmm. or medium-sized growers, really small growers, actually, most of them, uh, by, you know, a canopy standard or an aurora standard. And 
We need them in the system, and we have to make sure that those who, if you want, want to go legit, have the opportunity to do so. Right, that there's a pathway forwards for them. But they have to take that pathway. Otherwise, they are illegal. And I do believe that the RCMP and provincial police forces will be trying to shut them down. Okay. I was thinking, you know, is this, are we going to end up with a situation where uh, uh, growing cannabis is going to be the equivalent of the guy who makes beer in his garage on the weekend? Well, as long as he makes that beer in his garage on the weekend and doesn't sell it for profit, it's perfectly legal. Ah, there you go. Okay. And you can share, and actually another thing that the task force talked about was what we call social sharing. Um, You can uh, grow four plants or your 30 grams. If you have 30 grams in your house and it's a Friday night and you invite a friend over, you can share part of your 30 grams with that person and you have not committed a a crime. What you can't do is sell it to him for a profit. That's a good question, actually. That brings up, is there uh, there a limit to what someone can have on hand in their home like uh, that they've purchased? There's not an, a cap on what you can, the total number of grams you can have in your home. There is a cap on the amount that you can buy at any one time and have on your person in public. And that limit established in the federal law and recommended by the task force was 30 grams. In most U.S. jurisdictions, it's one ounce, which is 28.5 grams, I believe. We decided in a spirit of generosity, we would round it up to 30 grams. (laughs) That's an easy number to remember. Okay. Indeed. Um, so I, I actually that that does bring up the question of out in public. What then are the rules about uh, about cannabis uh, in public? Because you mean consumption? Yeah, yeah. Um, that will depend on where you are. It will depend on your provincial legislation and regs, and on municipal regu- uh, uh, bylaws. Certainly, I am not a uh, now. There may be some exceptions to this, but generally. Um, municipalities and provinces expect all their anti-smoking bylaws and regulations to be run against cannabis. Okay. Now, I think there may be a few exceptions to that where people, uh, at least out of the box, are perhaps looking to be a little bit more restrictive in terms of uh, cannabis uh, consumption. But basically, I would say a uh, good rule to start with, if you can't smoke tobacco wherever you are, you cannot smoke cannabis. And then, as I say, in so- there are some situations, uh, and people would need to inform themselves about this wherever they're living, where, in fact, the rules will be a little stricter for cannabis, at least initially. Um, and then, of course, you have the whole question of condos and apartments and insurance, and um, those are issues that every uh, apartment uh, building owner is taking on board. Every condo association is dealing with, and I am not going to suggest that in all cases it's easy. But those are things uh, that will be taken on board and worked out. And of course, uh, the insurance industry will have a lot to say about this ultimately too, in terms what uh, with what uh, about what that which they're willing to cover, that which would void your policy, and so on. 
And that's not any different than we have presently in relation to other uh, situations, uh, whether it's uh, tobacco use uh, or what have you. Yeah, or I mean even alcohol, right? There are yeah. um, no, that's places right. where you can't be walking around with uh, an open an open drink. Yeah, and uh, look, nobody should underestimate that I think municipalities are gearing up to deal with a lot more nuisance complaints. When right. uh, we visited, uh, for example, I w- uh, visited the state of Washington during uh, the task force uh, consultations, and um, we met with uh, a range of officials from the city of Seattle. And one of the things they saw, we, we talked to the head of their nuisance division, and one of the things they told us was their nuisance complaints uh, quite truthfully skyrocketed initially. <laughs> okay. and, yep. and I think cities have to take that on board. Communities have to take that on board. And yeah, there will be, there will be some aggravation among neighbors and friends uh, as, uh, as people work out. Um, the legalization uh, of this new substance. Um, I have always said, and I, there is research, I understand, going on around odorless plants. The actual company uh, that develops uh, an odorless plant, an odorless cannabis plant, will probably be the next Amazon or Google in right. terms of, of a net worth because... Uh, the irritation for a neighbor, if people are smoking cannabis or uh, in their backyard next door, is the smell. And if we could get past that, um, I think a lot of the nuisance complaints, not all, not all, but a lot of the nuisance complaints would uh, probably uh, disappear. But we're not there yet. But let me just back up because I talked about smoking next door. Um, the task force is clear and all our recommendations were premised on furthering public health and public safety. And um, nobody needs to smoke cannabis anymore. Um, And certainly once edibles come on the market, uh, there are going to be a wide range of choices. And look, I'm not naive, of course. People, young people still, and others, uh, still smoke tobacco in spite of 40 years of telling people that combusting that particular substance is bad for you in whatever way. Smoking anything, I could set this piece of paper in front of me on fire, and if you breathe that in, uh, that is not good for you. It's not what you're combusting, it's the actual chemical act of combustion that is the problem. And um, therefore, uh, as a matter of public health, uh, it would be irresponsible to suggest that people uh, with legalization uh, should... Um, smoke cannabis. Uh, they can take it as an oil. Uh, they can take it as an edible. Edibles are not legal for sale at retail, production and retail yet. But you can buy your cannabis um, legally at a retail store, take it home and put it in virtually any edible you want. 
And that is a much safer way, ultimately, uh, if you're responsible about potency and the amount of the cannabis in whatever edible you're taking, that is a much safer way to enjoy cannabis because you're avoiding uh, the, the act of combustion. Right. And then, of course, vaping is somewhere in between there. And uh, there are some doctors, not all, uh, but some doctors starting to suggest that vaping is uh, a safer way uh, to enjoy your cannabis. But I think all doctors would say that we still need an awful lot more research around the long-term effects of vaping before one would say that uh, it's categorically um well, nobody would say it's safe, but somehow better. Yeah, a safer option. And so um, I wanted actually, because we've touched on it twice so far, uh, about I wanted to talk about um, edibles and the future, uh, because you were talking about how that they are they are not legal for uh, retail sale yet, and we've seen lots no. of stuff with. Uh, 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 there's a couple of different uh, uh, beer companies that have been experimenting with or talking are talking about experimenting with cannabis infused beverages. Yes. Um, what What are the future steps in in this process? How do those things? How are those things going to become legal? Is there a timeline for that kind of stuff? What's What's coming next? Yeah, the timeline for edibles is one year in terms of the government of Canada getting its regulatory regime in place for edibles. We recommended uh, that edibles be rolled out at the same time because we know there's a growing market for edibles. A great many people would prefer, for a lot of reasons, to take their cannabis as an edible um, as, as opposed to any other form, uh, but particularly smoked cannabis. Um, but it was going to require, uh, the government of Canada decided to postpone that for one year because they have to make significant regulatory changes to the food and drug legislation at the federal oh. level. Um, and um, they want to make sure they get this right when it's rolled out. But if you look at states like Colorado and Washington, one of the things that caught them off guard when they legalized was the demand for edibles. Uh, it was much greater than they had anticipated. They hadn't uh, done the necessary uh, research around, and safety uh, research around how much uh, maximum THC should a single cookie or a single square, square right. of chocolate uh, contain. They didn't have the right labeling, warning people. They had to go back in and repair those mistakes, if you like, unintended consequences. Um, the government of Canada hopes to, is learning from that. We learn from that as a task force. So they, uh, they will take the time to roll edibles out, and edibles will be legal within one year from October 17th, uh, I believe. So it will be within the year. When we were in the state of Washington, look, you can take cannabis oil, and you can infuse it into virtually any food stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's oil, yeah. right? And you can, uh, you can put it uh, into virtually any food stuff. We visited one of the big 
LPs in Olympia, Washington, and they not only grow there, uh, they extract the oil, and then we saw them. They had literally hundreds of boxes of Betty Crocker snickerdoodle cookie dough. <laughs> and that, I'm not sure how the late, great Betty Crocker feels about that. But oh my goodness. anyway, uh, they were infusing and they had actually um, modified uh, a piece of equipment that I guess, I don't know how to make cookies on an industrial level, but they had modified a piece of equipment that uh, makes every cookie the same shape and whatever. And they had modified it so that they hoped to be able to guarantee that each one of those cookies had that amount of uh, cannabis oil, THC, contained in each cookie. And that's what you're going to be required to do in terms of food safety. So... um, and I think that makes total sense because when oh, you, when you purchase alcohol, you know, you have a percentage of alcohol by volume and uh, people can start to uh, can start to, you know, regulate themselves and understand where they where they stand with this kind of alcohol versus that kind of alcohol, what their tolerances are and so on. And right. so this is going to be a very exactly. interesting future for all. Yeah, of us. and one of the things that people do need to take on board is that cannabis metabolizes more slowly in an edible. So you're not going to feel the effects as quickly. So one of the things, people were showing up in emergency rooms in Denver, for example, because they had consumed a whole chocolate bar infused with THC, whereas they should have taken one square or two squares, and now the labeling tells you all this in Colorado. But they should have taken one or two squares and waited the recommended, say, 30 minutes and then decided whether they needed more of that chocolate bar. Um, and, of course, it's going to be important to keep all of this out of the hands of children. So speaking of children, what then is the legal age for uh, consumption? And is it different from – is there a different age for purchasing or anything like that? We in the task force recommended the legal age to be 18, knowing full well – that those provinces that had a higher age, 19, for the consumption of alcohol would go to 19, because it just right. makes sense to be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's exactly what happened um, until the new premier of Quebec on the weekend uh, indicated that he is likely to increase the age in Quebec to 19, or sorry, 21. Oh. The, the, yeah, which I think caught people a little bit off guard. I hadn't been following all the promises uh, Mr. Legault made in the Quebec election that carefully, and I certainly hadn't twigged to the fact that he was contemplating raising the age to 21. Um, Quebec is one of those jurisdictions where you can buy alcohol at 18. There are three of us in the country, Alberta, my province, Manitoba, and Quebec. Uh, the rest of the provinces and territories where you can buy alcohol legally um, in the territories, uh, the age I believe is nineteen. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Oh, um, it's my pleasure, and I, happy I, October seventeenth. <laughs> I don't yes, know what absolutely. you're going to be doing later. I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, there are there are some plans. Uh, I think <laughs> the first thing is going to be to investigate what's what's possible, what's even possible in well, Ottawa. Well, actually, you're going to be in Ottawa or Toronto. Well, all Ontarians, uh, you're going to have to buy your product online, and I understand and it could it take ship. up to a couple of days to come to oh, your house. No. So, hey, um, I don't know. Maybe everybody should move to Alberta. <laughs> well, I but mean, I am not uh, encouraging use. I just, as a responsible, uh, <laughs> you know, former minister of the federal crown, I just want to make it plain: I am not encouraging use. <laughs> no, it's just if we wanted to, that's how we would do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you so much again for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Use Interact Flash to pay conveniently and securely at hundreds of thousands of merchants across Canada. Learn more at interact.ca.